Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You and I can't resist Satan with determination. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. You cannot. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you. So do I. Number three, if I do those things, submit myself to God, obey His word, watch what I'm doing, do His will. If I resist and just believe the truth, it's absolutely true, and be committed to it, no compromise, Satan must leave. The world cannot understand why Christians are so concerned about sexual sin. Indeed, we seem to be overly concerned about the sexual sins of the world. But, as Pastor Mark will explain, sexual sins affect your body. The Christian's body is supposed to be dedicated to God, like the vessels of the temple, for holy use. When it's used for sexual sin, it's defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit. The best way to avoid temptation is to run from it. If you linger around temptation, eventually it will get you. Don't just walk away, run. Sexual immorality while capturing your body will also capture your thought life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verse 9, with our continuing study entitled, God's Solutions to Satan's Schemes. Listen to this one. There's a belief that promiscuity is a natural state. It's okay. Almost 50% of men and women in the United States say pornography is okay. And yet if a child predator moves in their neighborhood, what do they say? Well, no. They don't understand. They're deceived. You say, Pastor Mark, are people really listening to this? And Is it really changing what they believe? Absolutely. A belief that abstinence and sexual inactivity are unhealthy. Our young kids are going, you're 19, and you're a guy, and you're talking to a friend at college, you're a freshman, and say, hey, you're going to have a little part of it and get laid tonight? What? You're, a, you're a virgin at night? What is wrong with you? That's the norm today. A 14-year-old girl. You, you've not had oral sex yet? What, what is wrong with you? You see, all of that happens. Listen to this. A belief that marriage, once you're married, it's sex, sexually confining. Really? You see the new series that's out on ABC? It's called Mistresses. If you're watching it, you're foolish. Because it's all about four women who are married who are simply having constant affairs. And what does that say to an unbelieving world? Well, that looks exciting. My marriage isn't too... That looks really good. Wow. They never see the end. So as parents, 
That's the belief that's coming up because of our system. So number one, as a parent, you, you should be watching what your children are looking at on the internet. You should put the blockers on there. Number two, you should be watching your children and youth what they're watching on TV and the movies. By the way, much of TV uh, doesn't have to be HBO. You can't even watch it anymore. Because it's, it's basically all garbage that we would never believe in the lifestyle. But the longer we remember the frog that goes into the water, pretty soon it, he just cooked to death. Because we just, wow, look at that, that's cool. And we never even think about it. And number three, as you think about all of those, there's one more thing I want to ask you to do. Watch the friends of your kids. We want to have ungodly friends, that's normal, but be careful. Because we're supposed to be light and salt. But that's not all. That is not all we do. And I don't want you to write this down, but on your campus, I want you to understand this statement. Look at this statement. Young people, basically all people, that must be taught the Bible since it's the primary weapon to resist temptation. When Jesus defeated temptation three times, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. That's how he defeated temptation. Now, you need the blockers. You need to watch what's on TV. You know, you edit all that stuff. You make sure what movies are going to. It's okay, okay, okay. And you watch their friends. Those are all important. Absolutely. But they need to be taught the Word of God. Well, who's supposed to do that? Let's turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Jesus loved children. And this passage that we're going to read is simply written to parents. Single parents to parents. It's written by God to parents and actually grandparents. So I have a responsibility. Let me just say this before we read it. When Linda and I go to where our grandchildren are, we have lots of fun with them. And one of the things I do as I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I'm going to be gone. My daughter and son-in-law and son are going to be here. But God, would you make sure that these kids really get it young? I pray for them. I pray for them spiritually. You should be, I'm a grandparent now, it's different, so I pray for them. It's good. Now watch the wisdom that we see here. Remember, this is written to you as a parent and a grandparent. It starts with this. Hear all Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's absolute truth in case you don't know. There's only one true God, God Jehovah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then it says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, not with your head. With your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So, parent, you're to love God. How do I prove I love God? You've already seen it many times in First John. Because we obey his commandments. Not because you have to, but because you get to. Can I say this to you kindly? You and I cannot teach our children the word if you and I don't know the word. That's why I'm here. That's why every pastor's here in our campuses so that we can all learn the word together. Now, verse 6 basically says this. These are commandments. They're guardrails. They're not suggestions. Remember the opening story? You don't say to your kids, well, just don't go close over there. Have a nice day. No, no, no. Stay away from the guardrails. Stay back from them. Don't get as close as you can. They're to be in your hearts, not your heads. Look at verse 7. Impress them on your children. Notice what this means. Impress them on your children. Parent. This is your responsibility. And then it says, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. What does that really mean? If you've never written this by verse 7 in your Bible, just write this. Lifestyle. See, if your children see that serving God 
is important to you, then it's a lifestyle. It's not just something you do on Sunday or every three weeks come back to church. It's a life. When they see that, you're impressing truth to them. It's primary in your life. They get it. They understand it. Now, notice this impressing them when you're walking and talking and lying down and when you, what, what is it? Requires time. It simply requires time. Spend time with your children at home with their homework and on the road and school and sports and all the special projects, all the stuff happening. When your kids come home from Sunday school, ask them what they, when they come home today, ask them what they learned. In the water program that's on Wednesday night, get your kids in the water program on Wednesday night. It's fantastic. They're going to come home and say, Mom and Dad, help me memorize this first. Ah! Yeah, memorize the Word of God. That's fantastic. Be an encourager to your children. Pray for them to reach God's potential in their life. Have fun with them. Make memories. Because I can tell you this, time flies. It's gone. You have an opportunity. Because Satan is after your children and your teenagers. And he's doing it with truth. Forget truth. And he's doing it with the lies of the enemy through the internet and all the rest. Now, target number three is to marrieds. The home is the foundation. And it's in lots of areas in the home, but sexual is one. By the way, these principles, as I'll go through in a moment... Uh, have to do with all of us, because we're all sexual. If you will, in your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 6, and let me go through these. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians 6, watch this. Pornography use increases marital infidelity 300%. That's why miniseries is out with the mistresses. 56% of divorces involve one spouse who has an obsessive interest in pornography. 56% of the divorces. Look at the third one. More than 50%, more than 50% of people involved in cybersex lose interest in sex with their spouse. Does the Bible have an answer to that? Yes, it does. Husbands, make love to your wife. Wives, make love to your husband. On a routine basis. So that the enemy will not come and tempt you. So they don't listen and they let the enemy tempt them. And marriage, the sexual part of the marriage, is pretty much dead. What happens? Affairs and all kind of things. Satan is very wise. We just have to listen to the guardrails. Now, do we have for singles and our kids being raised up, do we have for singles and marriage any kind of... Any kind of guardrail for us sexually? Yes, that's why I've asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians 6. Look at it. 1 Corinthians 6, all of our campuses. Scoot on down to verse 18. Verse 18. New Testament, just a little bit after uh, the first five or six books. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Notice what Paul says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside the body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Here comes with his statement again. Don't you know? Don't you realize? Don't you know, since you're a Christian, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, who you've not rece- who you've received from God? You're not your own. In other words, you can't do what you want to do with your own body. You were bought with a price. Therefore, here's the way you do it. Honor God with your body. Now, it's interesting. That, that word, that word uh, uh, sexual immorality, it, that, it, it's in the present tense. 
It's in the present tense. And that word, in the original language, sexual immorality, comes from a word that may sound familiar to you. Let me give you the Greek word for it. Pornia. Sound familiar? That's where we get pornography from. What does it mean? It means premarital sex, sex outside of marriage, sexual gratification from any other way at all. That's sexual, simply immorality. Now, here's a lie. Here's a huge lie, especially in our younger people. They don't get it. Outside the church, they would never get it. Here's a lie from Satan, and you see it everywhere. Hookups, all this kind of stuff happening. Here's the lie. Satan says this, sex with anybody else, it's physical. Have a nice time. It doesn't hurt you. It's just fun. Go for it. And here's the truth from the Bible. Take a look. Sex is not just physical. Is it physical? Absolutely. It's fantastic. Because God designed it. But it's spiritual. And it's emotional. We read more and more studies. I read one the other day. These kids go off to college. They don't know anything. And they're, they're hooking up. And they're hooking up. And after they hooked up, they said, well, what was the sex like? Oh, it's fantastic. But then many of the men and young ladies are saying this. I wish I'd have never done it. It made me feel bad. It didn't really fulfill me at all. You see, that's nothing but deception. It's nothing but deception. God designed sex to be one place in a marriage with a husband and wife. That's where it's supposed to be. Now, God says in that passage, I live in you. So when people see you, use your body to make me look good. So here's all I want you to write this morning. Don't flirt with sexual immorality. Flee it. Realize, always up front, yes, pleasure. Afterward, no, if it's outside the bounds of marriage. Now, Pastor Mark, how, how can we actually defeat these temptations. Is there, is there any guidelines in the Bible how, when these temptations come at us all the time? By the way, let me give you this encouragement. God tells us in 1 Corinthians, don't have time this morning, I think 10, 13, he will never bring a temptation that you, with. he will not provide a solution. He will never bring something that you can't provide. A, he won't provide a solution and you can take it. So let's turn to the book of James. I want to give you three keys this morning. You want to write them down. Three keys that God gives us that we can always defeat temptation. Three keys. Book of James almost to the end of the Bible, just in front of 1 Peter, James chapter 4. Let's get down to verse 7. All of our campuses, here we go. Submit yourself, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you. They're all three are right there in one simple verse. Remember, the battle is always in our mind. We have to guard our thoughts. We have to watch what we read and listen to. Because it has great influence. You have to, a battle is always in our mind. I can renew the mind through the word of God. And Satan is always trying to pollute our minds. Now, here's the three steps, right? Number one, submit yourself to God. What does that mean? It simply means this. Be obedient to his word. Flee. Don't flirt with immorality. Flee it. Don't go as close as you can. Turn that television program off. Cut it out. Don't isolate yourself. Be obedient to his word and his will for your life. Honor him with your body. In other words, when people see you, they know that you're a believer. Second, resist. That word in the original language means this. Stand firm. Committed to one thing, truth. And refuse to give ground. Don't listen. All truth is the same. It is not the same. Listen to the word of God. 
It's truth. You and I can't resist Satan with determination. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. You cannot. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you. So do I. Number three, if I do those things, submit myself to God, obey his word, watch what I'm doing, do his will. If I resist and just believe the truth, it's absolutely true, and be committed to it, no compromise, Satan must leave. I can live in victory. Temptation can be resisted, defeated, and I can live in victory. Why? Because God is greater. He lives in me. He lives in me. I have God in me. First John 4, 4. I can defeat it because God's there helping me say no to any temptation. Now, recently I was doing my quiet time, and I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to summarize it very quickly this morning, but I want you to see it. Sometimes when we think of temptation, we only think of temptation as doing something wrong. A sin of commission. I do this. I, I looked at that. I shouldn't have. I said that. I shouldn't have. I went there. I shouldn't have. I lied. I was angry and I shouldn't. Have. We always think of temptation as Satan, just, just those sins, but it's different. Now, when you turn to Acts chapter 4, we'll begin in a moment, somewhere around verse 18. But look at me. Let me explain it to you. John and Peter, one day after the resurrection, and Jesus went back to heaven, they're going into town to pray, and they see a layman. They stop. They heal him in the power of the Spirit. Peter preaches. Lots of people get saved. And the religious leaders that don't believe in Jesus get angry. So they put him in jail. Then they bring him out, and then Peter makes this amazing statement in Acts chapter 4. There's no name under heaven by where a man could be saved. You can't get to heaven, and that's the name Jesus Christ. Well, they, they, didn't, they, they put him on the cross. They thought it was over with. What are you saying that crud for? So they, the religious leaders get together, and they say this. What are we going to do with these guys? Like the miracle's true, and people are getting saved. How are we going to stop this? And look at, look at verse 18. You'll see what it says. Then they called them in again, Peter and John, and they commanded them, notice what they, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So where was the temptation? What was the temptation? Would you write this down this morning? Because you're going to face this a lot. It was, it just, it just reminded me. The temptation here was not commission, not doing something wrong. The temptation was a temptation of omission, not doing what God commands. I didn't do the right thing. You see, Satan knew the power of the word, and he wanted to stop people from hearing the gospel. So Satan says to Peter and John, through these religious leaders, keep quiet about Jesus. But look at verse 19. Peter responded, you can judge yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. But my friends, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. So did Peter and John defeat the temptation? Yes, they did. How did they do it? They submitted to God in his will. What was God's will? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You see, Satan was trying to stop the Great Commission. He was trying to tempt them not to lie, not to cheat, not to have adultery, to stop the Great Commission. Has he won the temptation in your life? Do you ever share the gospel? Oh, Pastor Mark, I don't have adultery. I don't watch pornography. Do you ever share Jesus? You see, Satan's very wise. So how did they defeat him? They knew it was the will of God to keep teaching about Jesus. So what did they do? No compromise. You can tell us to stop. I don't really care. We're going to obey God. 
His truth is truth. Your truth is a lie. So they stood firm, and the enemy had to leave. They didn't put them back in jail. Now, the next thing I'm going to tell you is, the next thing that happened is, they go back to other believers. They get together with other believers. They get together with other believers. They get together with other believers. And you know what they do? They pray. And they don't pray this, God, we don't want to go to jail anymore, please. Here's what they pray. You can read it at the end of chapter 4. Here's what they pray. God, give us boldness to keep speaking your name because so many people are changing. And God, would you just heal people and do miraculous things? And the Bible says after they prayed, God answered them, filled them again with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and spoke in boldness. Here's the last thing I want you to write this morning. Here it is. Prayer is a deciding factor in temptation and spiritual warfare. If I'm, gonna, if I'm going to absolutely submit to the will of God, if I'm going to stand firm, I need to have prayer in my life. I need God's help. I can't do that by myself. Prayer is a deciding factor. The church went to pray. And because of that, amazing things happened. Now, I want your attention because we're going to do something very different this morning. Okay? Don't put your Bibles away. Don't move. Don't do anything. And in our campus, just look at me. In the next few moments, I'm going to ask for people to get saved. And then I'm going to introduce you to something brand new that we've never done before. And while we're doing that, we're going to sing at all of our campuses. We're going to sing one song to finish the service. I don't want you to leave. The service is not over. Let me just speak to you. Some of you are here this morning, and you've never asked Christ to come in your life. Well, that means you're in the kingdom of Satan, and nothing good long-term is going to happen in your life. Nothing. God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you on the cross. There has to come a day when you say, I want to serve God. It's your choice. And if you'll do that, the greatest need in your life is not money or a date or a relationship or a job or a car. Or the greatest need in your life is forgiveness. That's what separates you from the Holy God. And this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you want to accept Christ, I'll lead you in a prayer in your seat. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer in your seat. If you mean it, God will supernaturally change you in a heartbeat. Maybe some of you used to walk with God. We would say to you, you're backslidden because you've been far from God. And the enemy is saying to you, well, God will never forgive you. You've sinned too much. No, that's a lie from Satan. God loves to give second chances. You need to make a recommitment this morning. Now remember, as I'm speaking to you, someone else is speaking in your ear. And it's Satan. And he's saying this. What the guy says is true. Later. You've heard me say a number of times. Later often becomes never. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Are you a flirt? Pastor Mark told us not to flirt with sexual immorality. He told us to flee from it. That doesn't mean to walk away from it and look back once in a while. No, run from it. Don't look back, not even once. He told us to submit ourselves to God. We should be obedient to His Word and His will. We should resist, not by ourselves, but with God's help. If we do these things, Satan will leave. Then we will live in victory. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we will learn about the new nature that Christians receive when they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. Our old nature is gone and we will begin to walk in the ways Jesus walked. We will live in the ways He lived. He will become our example. We will no longer live as children of Satan. Now that we're Christians, we will live right by obeying the Word of God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for this.